Don't you give me that crap. You took advantage. Of your sick sister. A heart flush is a perfectly respectable hand. Not respectable enough. Hey, shut up, Mike. I am not taking this guy home. You have to, man. Remember the bet I lost last year? When I had to replate your socket set, I didn't back out, did I? You can't bet a human being. Oh, well, if you're going to be a baby about it. All right, Mike. You want to play like that? I'll take him. I may not be responsible for what I'm going to do to him, but I'll take him. Oh, man. What are you doing, you stupid jerk? Oh, uh, there's something wrong with your car. What did you do with my hubcaps? I don't know. who host the show in the beginning. And now they're back. It's 2024. It's a new opportunity. And I'm here. Myself, Michael, Travis, Eric. Yep. Yeah, it's episode 179. And today's focus is going to be on Benny and June, which was selected by Travis a long time ago. Right, Travis? Uh, whenever that was. Moons. Many moons. <laughs> many moons. We got Eric in the candlelight feeding his child. He's such a good dad and a podcaster. Thanks for making uh, time for us, Eric. We appreciate it. Good evening, it. gentlemen. Good evening, tender, you, sir. Tender Eric Renstrom on the microphone. Let's all get tender. Let's get tender. I'm excited, man. I'm, you know, I took December off, and uh, I'm, I'm excited. I am jacked. I'm ready to go do podcasting. I've got the fever. I finally got my setup proper. Didn't I'm not ready actually to go? take. Well, didn't you actually take also the end of November and the beginning of January off? <laughs> That's two months. Well, it's it's January 10th. I mean, it's not like. Uh, I don't, but first off, I told you this in the text. I don't regret taking the first week of January off at oh, all because no, no, America, no. get back to work. Let's go. A day after I'm, New Year's. Get your asses to work. <laughs> Fuck that shit. I, I enjoyed my first two-week break, my actual like two full weeks off in years. Uh, so I'm not judging you. Here, here. It wasn't Hell just yeah. a summer. So just I, I was dreaming literally. of and counting the seconds until my two-week break from school. All the things I was going to do, draw, I was going to write music and make my movie. <laughs> Angela gets COVID immediately. Both of my kids get <laughs> of RSV. Course. 
and oh I didn't do anything oh, but caretake. But I mean, everyone's healthy now. But that was like, okay. I had to really swallow my tongue quite a few, swallow bite my tongue quite a few times. I was like, oh my god, no break, no break. There's, no, there's uh, never a break. Everyone got healthy like Sunday, <laughs> day before I went back to work. Come on. <laughs> Well, I feel for you. I'm glad everyone's okay and uh, life goes on. Uh, I'm excited about my new setup here. It's finally organized. I was I can't believe I lived this long without this. I got a green screen stand. This thing is awesome. Oh, it's portable. It, it's got those like snappy metal rods where you can like you snap stuff in when you're making a table or something. And sure. it, it's you can take it down easy. It doesn't fall. And I got my lighting. And I'm just so happy that I've got a. My mom's gone till May, so this is my house for five months. So I feel like for now, for five months, I'm going to be able to be myself, which happy, is great. Happy, happy, happy. It's happy, very. Happy, I'm happy. also 43 year old I'm man. So that is correct. Today. Yes. So, That's great. I'm so happy. So yeah, I'm really happy about that. Also, the Tim Govier got me this. It's nice little like bouncy. It's like a shockproof mount. It's really nice. Oh, Thank you, Tim Govier. Merry Govie Christmas. For that. Yeah, that's what he got me for Christmas. Thank you, Dad. The Catholic gives Free to the gift, Jew. Dad. Hey, great gift, Dad. So. uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited. I'm ready to go now. I know uh, last year, for those of you that listen to the show regularly and also watch our videos, yes, I will be returning to posting the videos on YouTube. We'll get back to that now. That's like way behind. Oh, yeah, uh, that's way, way behind. I think the last one on that was Search and Destroy, and that was like 10 episodes ago. So Yeah, it was a while ago. But, um, but we're, I'm ready to go. And also, All right. I don't know if you guys did this inadvertently or not, but we had emails. Did you guys see these? I never think to <laughs> check them. Well, okay, so... We'll do these quickly. So uh, this one's from Joe. And this one is November 23rd, 2023. <laughs> hey, Sorry, it's Joe. Joe. <laughs> Joe, who was on Travis's music pod, yeah. 9394, did fucking Pennywise. Nice job, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Joe came on to 9394, uh, a music podcast with Travis Roy, and talked 1993's Unknown Road. And, you know, he's he's really he was really well-versed in their history and stuff. It was cool. Like he could have been friends with us in high school? Or we could have oh, been friends with him. I mean, yeah, he definitely would have fit right into our crew. I'm pretty sure. That's what, that's what I've... I'm glad to have the confirm because I felt the same way about Joe. Uh, hey, guys. Great to hear you guys back at it with a new podcast episode on the feed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there it is. In your <laughs> what were your expectations, Joe? 2024. Uh, in your quarantine viewing section, I had the exact same experience as Travis with old dads. I really enjoyed Bill Burr's comedy and used to go. regularly listen to his podcast. I was excited to throw on old dads and didn't make it more than five minutes into the movie before turning it off. Wow. God, I really made it. I mean, I made it 20, so I feel better. <laughs> uh, went back to it a week later, got another five minutes further and turned it off for the second time. I would assume you guys hold a similar opinion or perhaps it's universal, but good comedies feel so much harder to make than any other movie genre. And this feels like another example of that axiom. Cheers, Joe Lowry. Yeah. I'm inclined to agree. I mean, it's that and dramas, you know, a lot of, sometimes people think, you know, well, if I put sad things in there, then I have a drama. It's like, well, no, actually some balance is good. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think people our age, especially, you know, the way comedies were made in the eighties, the nineties, and even the two thousands and what comedies are today. First off, it's just not as relevant anymore. Like gross out comedies, like raunchy comedies. Those are gone. Uh, yeah, not that they were all good. <laughs> not that they were all good. I like some of them though. Like to me, I still, you know, well, actually I should, maybe I should bring that to the show. American pie. Yeah. I thought was 
funny because it was high school. Kids do dumb shit in high school, but I don't know. Maybe I got to see old dads to comment on this. I haven't seen it yet. See if you can make it through it anyway. You're right. I should fire that up. Uh, and then, uh, so Luke came on during my long hiatus yeah. and he did Gremlins, which was a legendary <laughs> show that Eric Branchup said was the greatest show in cinema <laughs> history. Is that true? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing about comrade the, luke came on <laughs> <laughs> the proletariat gremlins it's so funny yeah. man yeah wow, so if you missed that i'm laughing at that yeah it was funny i mean it was a different take on gremlins i hadn't heard it but our pal chad who used to do the best film podcast with travis shout out mm. to that shout out. hey guys i enjoyed the gremlin shows this is chad saying that i'm not sure if it was an intent if it was intentional but I loved how Luke became an actual gremlin during the show about gremlins. <laughs> it's, it started off somewhat innocently with the loudest baby monitor in existence sitting right next to Luke's microphone. <laughs> Interrupting anything anyone said. After 15 minutes of being perplexed about where the noise is coming from, Luke wonders aloud if I could possibly be the 1,000 decibel jet engine revving right beside him. <laughs> oh, Chaz, it's funny. The hijinks continue as Luke gets frustrated with Joe Dante for not corroborating his gremlins working class hi-ho, it's off to work we go theory and wondering why nobody's talking about it. <laughs> As Travis and Eric do their best just to ignore him, the gremlin gets more rambunctious, <laughs> mocking the working class for seeing other people as animals, while himself seeing the working class as gremlins. The episode reaches its climax with Luke in full gremlin mode, <laughs> denouncing suicide hotlines. <laughs> <laughs> that did happen. Yes, it did. And screaming out the digits to his personal phone number in a fit of apparent mania. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah, that's so funny great, great meta episode Luke was a perfect gremlin whether he realizes it or not bummed about reds though was looking forward to hearing Luke explain how it was actually about the faked moon landing <laughs> sincerely meta gremlins I thought he was going to say I thought it was going to be uh, about gremlins so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh that might be the best email we've ever had that was really funny thanks Chad oh hey Chad meta gremlins part two uh, hey guys this one's shorter it's more brief uh, hey guys I intended the previous email as a tongue in cheek joke oh. but I'm concerned it came across as mean spirited <laughs> oh, seemed Own funny it. as I wrote it Chad you just got it was, it was hilarious it's feeling bad <laughs> repentance as soon as he pressed send he's like oh shit yeah. um, email no, regrets <laughs> Thanks, Chad. That was great, man. Oh, man, you still got it. Uh, and then finally from uh, Dave Horning. This was six days ago. This is fresh, fairly fresh. Right, sort of. Back catalog. Hello. As I may have mentioned before, I have been diligently listening through your back catalog of movies that I have seen. My latest listen was Requiem for a Dream. Mm. Yeah, we did that yeah, one. A long time ago. Uh, that got me thinking about the last time I wrote in and suggested that y'all should do The Fountain. Yeah. Besides being myth that you yeah. berated me after expressing my love for you in the show... I was more puzzled than that none of you had seen The Fountain. Is that true? All three of us yeah, haven't I seen it? I hated it. almost turned it off. It sucked. I, 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 after the episode, I noticed on Letterboxd that I checked that I had seen it. I'm like, well, maybe I have seen it. I don't fucking know. I, don't, I have no idea. I'm going to have to watch it again and find out. 
Yeah, I'm on Letterboxd too. We should connect. We should. I did it after Joe Lowry uh, emailed the show about it. So, uh, After hearing you all gush about Requiem, I can't believe that none of you paid attention to Aronofsky's follow-up to that movie. It's right in the middle of the run of his greatest films. And in my opinion, it stands shoulder to shoulder with those. Do yourselves a favor and check it out. Is he talking about The Wrestler? Is he talking about The Fucking Wrestler? Because we love The Wrestler. Movies of the, the... No, no, the one after the, that, right? He said, he said the, fo- the, the follow-up. Follow oh, no, no. I, he must oh, be doing, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, yeah. follow-up. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after hearing you all gush about Requiem, I can't believe that none yeah, of you paid yeah. attention to Aronofsky's follow-up, which is which the fountain. Which is the fountain. Cheers, Dave. Sorry, Dave. Um, I'll watch it? Maybe. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Mm. Uh, all right, yeah, cinemanipod at gmail.com if you want to chime in. All our emails are updated. We probably won't have any for another six months, but it was great to have four. And that means <laughs> it's time to get the quarantine viewing picks with Travis Roy. You guys, it, oh it was boy. a two-week break, and then another week after that. I, we, we could do the whole episode just about my quarantine viewing picks at this point. I mean, I've I, I watched so many. Um, yeah, I've so been on the show I'll, seven weeks, so I could probably top you. <laughs> Well, you know, also Betty and June's pretty short. We probably won't have uh, that much to say about it. We can, we can, uh, we can get into this a little bit. I will cut out my Christmas movies though, because that's we're well past that. Uh, I checked out Saltburn uh, from, oh. from this year. Um, you know, if you haven't heard much about it, you may have heard that it's derivative of Talented Mr. Ripley, mm. and boy, okay. it sure is. Oh, but it's st- but it's still really good. It's still really good. Um, Good, really good performance from Gary Cogan. Uh, definitely, you know, he's just really rocking it in everything he does. And I think this is going to help push his star up even a little bit higher. I, I do recommend it. Um, it's a little, again, you're going to be like, oh, I've seen this. Mm. But it's good. Um, I checked out Maestro. Um, you know, Bradley Cooper. We talk about him as a as an actor. That dude can direct. That dude can really direct. Masterfully directed film. And uh, I know that there was a lot of talk about the nose and all that shit. And as we sorted out on this show, I mean, you, you know, Bernstein's own family has come out and said, it's fine. It looks like him. It's good. Like, let it go. You're, you know, you're, you're making a mountain of a molehill. And the performance was outstanding. So it's one of those movies with a great performance and great directing. It's a little, it gets a little listless at times, but man, um, I thought it was great. Critics do not seem to be loving it. Mm. Uh, it's not getting the praise I would have expected, but I thought it was, I thought it was solid. I thought it was a really solid um, biopic, and I'm um, surprised it's not getting as much attention as as people were kind of expecting. Mm. Um, Snubbed at the Globes, yeah, not that yeah. It matters, but yeah, fuck the Globes. We don't care about no. that shit here, but but still, yeah. Not well, I mean, I, I think they're trying to re. Ash their image, you know, rehab their image. You know, yeah, I, mean, I don't care about award shows anyways. What am I doing? Why am I taking this position? It's stupid. <laughs> I apologize. We forgive you. Um, you. You know, I loved Hereditary and oh boy, uh, Midsummer. I, I tried watching Ari Aster's newest flick, Bo is Afraid, and uh, it's a three-hour film. I made it two hours in, so I really fucking tried. <sighs> I really, really tried, and I hated it. I hated oh, every fucking minute of it. What it really reminded me of was uh, what's that other Joaquin flick? Um, the, in the, uh, not indecent proposal. We were <laughs> we'll talking get to about. that. Uh, in Inherent yeah. Vice, oh, it reminded gee, me of oh, Inherent gee, Vice. Don't say that. Oh boy! I mean, it was just, just really? so. And it reminded me. It was like Inherent Vice in part because Joaquin Phoenix, but it also reminded me a whole bunch of. Um, that Adam Sandler Safety Brothers flick. What's oh, it called? Fucking Uncut Gems. 
Yeah, uncut gems. Just, just really designed uncut gems to keep you in like in a state in a state of hyper anxiety. It's just a series of vignettes designed to keep you completely like tense and and it, it's just <laughs> sounds entertaining. Like, Where's the fucking story? <laughs> uh, you'll probably love it. You'll probably love it or I'll hate love it. it. It's it's a love it or hate it kind of movie uh, for sure. Yeah. So don't necessarily take my word for it. The, the dude is a master filmmaker. Uh, it looks great. Joaquin Phoenix obviously can act. Um, I could see other people loving this movie, but it reminded me of like that last Charlie Kaufman. Film. Oh. I don't know why I can't remember any film titles today, but so, like, you know, <laughs> where like it's good filmmaking, but not a good movie. Mm. Um, then I just kind of like went into full ho- like holiday break mode. I watched all this new Spider-Man movie. I watched all of the Avengers movies. I watched some of my favorite movies of all time. I just got like a hard burn. I watched Joe versus the volcano. I watched Mordecai road to Wellville. <laughs> I really Wonder struggled Boys. on that one. I could not guess that movie until you finally showed the uh, suitcase one. I failed. <laughs> oh yeah. I was sending, I was sending pics to you trying to get you to guess, but yeah, you disappointed me until I gave you the really obvious one. I disappointed myself. I love Death by Bunga Bunga. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? <laughs> I watched Chef. That's another one of my classic faves. Um, so that was kind of nice, getting into a, like a deep dive of classic films. I love Willie, Willie Nelson, and the, the definitive treatment on him and his family band has been released on uh, Paramount+. Plus. There is a four-part miniseries, mm. so it's really just a four-hour documentary. Uh, all about Willie Nelson's career and his life, and it's awesome. If you like Willie Nelson, if you like music uh, history, if you like, you know, um, those kind of documentaries, definitely check it out. If it's not for you, then move on. But Willie Nelson, I, I love him. So I think he's a American legend. So, Last Voyage of the Demeter, I wanted to love it. I wanted to love it. I liked it. I liked it. It's it's hard. I mean, on one hand, it's like what a brilliant premise to take the 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 sequence of the of dracula where they're going across the ocean and make a movie about that on the other hand you're watching the movie and you're like oh well i know how this ends so um in in some ways some of the some of the you know on the other hand i do think and it's not it's not gotten great reviews so i don't think it's going to get a sequel i wish it would get a sequel by the end of the film and i don't think this is a spoiler because if you're familiar with you know dracula vampire stuff typically they go from kind of a wasted a visage until they feed and then they become like more human full you know full whatever oh. and so by the end of the film like the uh the vampire that you're looking at is one of the better draculas i've seen on film oh. just really scary really really good and uh i would love to see a, a sequel to this movie to be honest just just continue the fu- say, you know wherever the fucking where the dracula buck picks up just pick, pick up there it'd be awesome but that's probably not going to happen Checked out the first Purge from 2018 because it was the only one of the Purge movies I haven't seen. Um, one of the weird franchises. That's the fourth movie. I swear that movie, that franchise just gets better and better with each film. It's really bizarre. Mm-hmm. I like the first Purge quite a bit. Heavy, heavy-handed satire, but good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's about it. I, I'm, I'm going to give my main shout-out to the holdovers. Mm-hmm. I don't want to build up the film too much because it's getting a lot of buzz and it's a and it's a very low-key movie it's a very chill very relaxed very slice of life kind of movie it reminds me of wonder boys or something like that it's not as good as wonder boys (gasps) of course it's not as good as wonder boys but not um, for you well i mean i don't know that it would be for most people but i mean it is it is a very good film i do i do recommend it streaming on peacock right now if you have that and uh yeah it's certainly worth checking out 
I love Alexander Payne. I, yeah, he's a good one. I need to. I don't have Peacock, or we already would have been watched. Yeah. So I guess I'll just have to make other arrangements, which I will. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Travis. Great to hear Why your recommendations. Been a while, yeah, so yeah, a I enjoyed that. What about you, Eric? Yeah, I've been out of the game for several weeks now, so I had a, time, a lot of time to catch up on some stuff, starting with the uh, latest David Fincher film, The Killer. Uh, Travis, I know oh, you were shit. lukewarm on The Killer. And my, uh, old... I haven't watched it. Oh, you hadn't seen it? No, I haven't seen it. Um, well, you kind of have. If you've seen every other movie about an assassin, you've kind of already seen it, because it's very derivative. Oh, yeah, it's very wow. derivative, and like it's like it's like... It's like if this was his first movie, Fincher's first movie, you'd be like, "Oh man, this guy has somebody to watch out for." This is interesting, but like him putting <laughs> this out now is like, like like a tepid first episode of a series that might last two or three seasons. It's just like, who cares? Mm. I hate to say it, yeah. but it's kind of like who cares? Uh, entertaining, yeah. but it's kind of like who cares? Um, <laughs> yeah, man, Asteroid City. I don't know what came over me. I don't know why I pushed play because I've been so pissed off at Wes Anderson, <laughs> but I hit play. <laughs> and you, you got to. <sighs> He didn't love it. It was incredible, right? I thought about turning it off like after the first minute. I was like, I can't do this. Like immediately they're doing like the play, like all the characters are just spouting that fucking stupid nonsense. And I'm like, I can't do this. But I stuck with it. <laughs> and I kept checking my watch. Like every like 20 minutes or so, I'd be like, God, I, I got to turn this off. I got to turn it off. But I couldn't just because I had like, wanted to commit to it. And then when it was over, I was so glad it was over because it was just... It's, <laughs> I don't understand this. I don't understand who's giving them all this money. I'd like to chime in on this because I this is one of mine. I watched it. What do you think? One of yours? Yeah, I I got I know exactly how you feel in the beginning. I was like, oh, fuck, we're doing this man. again. They're, we're doing this. He's, and I liked I liked the French Dispatch. You guys did not like it at all. Ooh, I liked no. the French Dispatch, so I was willing to give it more time. But I felt the same way you did in the beginning. Like, okay, this is. It was hard for me to. It kind of hurt my eyes. The colors were so vibrant. <laughs> Did you notice that? Like, yeah, it's like I don't know yeah, what camera like, techniques or what the filters they were using. I was like, oh, my, this is like too yeah, bright. Yeah, my too bright. rods are hurting. Remember, like when Three yeah. Kings did like the oversaturated shit. Like, picture that, but like you're wearing like like three D glasses while watching that. Like that's how like bright yeah. this desert is for no reason. Doesn't matter at all. I come oh, away from this even less likely to watch the movie now. Well, I just someday I will. I, I think that uh, I watched the whole thing, yeah. and for me, I, I thought it was all right. I, it, not his best, but I didn't hate it or anything. You know, I, I just I get the more I got into it, I think it's kind of what I like to watch again and again. That's how I currently see it. But I can see the way you feel being very valid, Eric. I, I totally it, understand. It had nothing to say. It had nothing to say. I turn it off. I'm like, hmm, what was the point of that movie? Like, it's just this very limp, yet again, uh, the strange father and son relationship that he's done like five times. And I'm just like, why do they keep giving him money? Because it looks, the production looks so elaborate and like, it, there's nothing there on the page. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on here. But I'll be. Was I'll, it weird to see Tom Hanks? Like, Tom Hanks is in a Wes Anderson. It was just, was that odd to you? Did that stand out or no did you get past there. that? There was no character there. Like, all these people are just always joining, in, like, joining the party, like, for the sake of it, to be under the, the, the tutelage of an auteur. But there's just no characters. It's just a bunch of. It's just it's potpourri, smattering, patchwork quilt of talent with nothing to say. I just, I was pissed. But. One thing I'll say. Please. Oh, please, go ahead. No, you, no, go ahead. Last thing about it is. Uh, I actually thought non-comedic 
it was Jason Schwartzman's finest performance. Non comedic. I hated him in it. I didn't believe him as a father at all. I thought he was completely miscast and fucking boring. I thought he sold me big time. I thought he really hit me. I was like, wow. It was dull, but I was impressed. You don't want doll from the main character in your film. Okay. So it's over, and I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. Fuck this guy. He had some great movies, but it's over. And then I saw this uh, Henry Sugar film on Netflix. Yeah, how was it? I've been meaning to check that one out, actually. For some reason, I was super pissed. I turned it on immediately after Asteroid City. Like, I'm like, I'm, all right, I'm going to have Surprising. a heart and give this guy one final chance. I turned it off after like five minutes. Oh. He started doing the same oh. thing again. I was just like, I can't Shit. do this anymore. Wait, did he do two movies in one year? Am I crazy? Yeah, Henry yeah, Schroeder's new... like 40 minutes. It's a Roald Dahl yeah, it's a short adaptation, but it's just oh. it's cloying as fuck. It's his style. He cloys. He cloys. <laughs> he cloys. Man, I checked out Indecent Proposal, Mike. I finally hit play, Ooh! and I've never seen this. Wow. You talk a big game. Oh. Beautiful woman. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a good movie make. That's yeah, true. That not. is true. I mean, yes. It's, it's Robert Redford. Awful. Yeah. It's yeah. horrible. It's it's so <laughs> bad. Guess we won't be bringing this one to the table then, will we? <laughs> really no point. And Robert Redford, I'm sorry. He's got no charm. He's like the most boring guy. He's boring. The dick. He's normally very boring. But like oh, a role like this, if you're going to be pulled away from your husband and be allured by this like Gatsby-esque character, you got to have some charm. And this guy's like a box of grape nuts. He just mumbles his lines and there's no <laughs> charm. That's funny. So, that, I mean... Demi Moore does grab Woody Harrelson's dong. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I enjoyed that scene. That's what Everything else is horrible. He's got a boner, too, it looks like, too. Is that legal? In today's day and age, with intimacy coordinators, I feel like this he movie did not hold boner, up. Because he's huge friends with Bruce Willis. He's like, I regret that boner. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> He wrote a letter. Yeah. He, put a, he posted he an ad in Variety and apologized for the boner. Retraction. Two-page yeah. ad in Variety. I'm sorry for that boner. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like inside the actor's studio or something, just like a heartfelt <laughs> admission. <laughs> Dead Rings, yeah, 1988. Too. I haven't seen this in like 25 years. I went back because it's on Tubi. This is the weirdest, mm -hmm. weirdest fucking goddamn movie. You ever seen that movie? Yeah, I watched it like a year or two ago. I could, while I'm watching, I'm like, man, this is really it. good. Your man's is good in it. And then like when it was over, I was like, I haven't felt like this in a long time. I was like, just felt gross and cheap and used it was just like an ugly experience <laughs> love cronenberg man i mean that, that, that that's but it, that to me is when a bit of a he's got like a bunch of great horror movies and then that one comes out and it's like eh. more body and i'm watching it with angela and she nails it yet again she's like i bet david cronenberg wants to kill people but he's like uh appeasing and purging his his nature to want to murder and dissect people by making movies about that. And I'm like, you might be onto something because he's really fascinated with internal human beings. It's very strange. Salt and Sea, two thousand two. Yeah. I hit play because oh, it's yeah. been a long time. Yeah. I'm liking this movie. It's a big deal in two thousand two, man. I've thought about it for the show a few times. Horrible. How was it? Awful. Oh shit! It sucks. <laughs> it, Cancel that. It's so early two thousands, like after uh, Requiem and like, like fast cuts, like drugs, and I call it like quick shots of like the <laughs> tweak and all, this, oh, all that shit. It's it's yeah. fucking dumb. Bozo times, horrible. Hell Camp is a Netflix documentary about this fucking guy who got uh, 
well known for like starting these uh, wilderness trauma camps for, for, for teens that like are in need of some beyond scared straight type of intervention. It's a solid documentary because this is wild, man. Like we got, we got death, we've got abuse. It's intense, man. If you can stomach it for an hour and a half, it'll open your eyes because these things are still around. I mean, these things are still popular and you got to watch out for them because they're not good. <laughs> no, I'll definitely watch I'm, that. Pretty sure that kidnapping your child and putting them through hell is uh, not going to take uh, you from your home. Not going to work. And put you in the wilderness on a 500 mile hike in 100 degree weather until you die, as one girl did. Yeah, I'm not getting. Uh oh, he got him. muted. He had a full thing to say too. God, oh, so disappointing for him. Yep, turn it off. He's pissed. <laughs> Go ahead, Eric. Mike. After that, I watched Super Mario Brothers on Netflix, and <laughs> I got to tell you, man. I loved it. I loved it. Wow. It's a lot of fun, man. I have my Dallas. This is the new animated one, right? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, it's fun. a lot of fun. That's it, man. That's it. All right. I got to watch it then, too. It kind of reminds me. Remember when that side scroller came out for the Wii in like 2008? Mm -hmm. It was awesome. So maybe yeah. I'll, I, was, really I loved it. Really fun. I'm down. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you, Eric. Um, I mentioned Asteroid City, or Eric did. Uh, Travis, I got to watch Defending My Life, the documentary of Albert Brooks. All right, finally. Of course I enjoyed it. Of course and you did. Of course I did. Also, he's kind of... I feel like he's really changed a ton. You talk about a guy who's... You know, maturation is part of human development, right? Mm. Uh, we're not the same people we were when we were 16, and... He clearly seems some of those earlier clips of him doing the whole stick with the pot, the, the, the whole thing he did, the things he wouldn't do to be famous or funny and who he is now. He's so low key now. He's so yeah. relaxed. And I, I think that was really offered up in Drive when he did Drive in 2011. That character, it's a good character and he's definitely yeah. putting on some top notch acting there. But that's also, he's not the cruel part of it, but like the kind of more relaxed Albert Brooks, the chill Albert Brooks, that's him mm -hmm. now. And of course, he's like fucking 80 years old. But. Yeah, I don't think it's just that either. Like a lot of his younger stuff is about like the insecurity of trying to like be validated in fame because he's like around all of these, you know, famous comedians and stuff. And he's like, I learned about not, his dad. Yeah, I didn't right. know how famous he's, his dad was. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know that? No, I didn't. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, park your carcass. Yeah, Parky Classic, <laughs> legendary death, legendary Hollywood death. That My was God. wild, man. That's, that was crazy. That alone, that alone is worth watching the documentary for. If you're not it familiar is. with the death of Parker Carcass, that's uh, it's incredible. But um, yeah, he also was really insecure about his love life and stuff, right? So and he didn't really get married until he was like 50 or late 40s or something like that. So yep. the you know the Albert Brooks that we have now, he's a very yeah much more confident and relaxed individual. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't know anything about his father. I mean, I knew a lot about his brother. So learning of what the things that uh, Rob Reiner is the de facto kind of narrator, director of this thing. And mm -hmm. they're good friends, long time. And Carl yeah, Reiner being that. his I didn't know that either. And the things Carl Reiner said about a young Albert Brooks, which they're not made up. They're verbatim from his own autobiography, right? Yeah. So yeah. very, very cool. Really, I'm really glad I got to watch it. I'll probably watch it again, see if I can like take out some more things from it. It's like some of the last of the classic Hollywood stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? But not not, not like shitty classic Hollywood. Yeah, like, yeah, like good classic like Hollywood. Quality, solid stuff being done, relationships that are not based on, you know, assaulting people and things like that. There's there's <laughs> right. a few things that happened in old Hollywood that were good, guys. It's not all scumbags, right. although there's there were a lot, a lot of scumbags. nepotism, but um, oh, yeah. comedy, comedy.
Nepo babies are in though now. Apparently, it's uh, all the rage. It's always been a thing. It's fine. It's in every fucking. It's in <laughs> every industry. Like it. I've it's in like every it. industry. We're gonna complain I mean, about yeah. Michael Douglas. Come on. Yeah, you want to complain about um, <laughs> uh, what's the uh, that lawyer uh, Ber, uh, Bernstein, right? Sam Bernstein. Yeah, uh, Sam Bernstein. Yeah, Sam Bernstein. About get the Bernstein advantage. <laughs> and now it, it, we, we all grew up with the Sam Bernstein. Just him. My now lawyer. we got four of his fucking kids to look yeah, at. My lawyer. I got sixteen yeah, from Sam Bernstein. I think Sam is. Uh, right. Yeah, I think Sam may have he's, Alzheimer's or something. I think he's on oh, the yeah, outs. He's, uh, he's like 102 or something. It's, uh, he's gone. But my point. I was always that, a Call Lee guy. Call, call Lee. Lee. I, I'm gonna. Oh, come on. <laughs> but Jeffrey Figer, you gonna call Jeffrey Figer? Figer? <laughs> call Lee free. Yeah, yeah Figer never advertised in those wars. This is like the now. early 90s, late 80s. Lee yep. Steinberg versus Sam Bernstein yep. wars. And I think Sam won, but I, oh, I was yeah. always a Lee Steinberg. He's the underdog, guy. though. I'd give him a call. He, <laughs> He, he was. Free. Call Lee, call Lee for free. Oh shit! If you didn't live around here, that's not going to make any yeah. sense to you. Uh, yeah. So uh, I watched Asteroid City. Uh, uh, I watched this stupid ass rot. You know, I think as more time goes on, and I wish he could have been alive for it. I think Rodney Dangerfield will get more respect as an actor. I really do. After what I saw in '94's Natural Born Killers. I was like, wow. I mean, he was fucked up, but he oh, did a great yeah. job. And yeah. what's a stupid movie? Easy Money with Joe Pesci oh, and yes. Rodney Dangerfield. And the petter, yeah. petter ass Jeffrey Jones. I mean, it's like mm. so yeah. dumb. I'd never I seen it. it. I like that movie. I liked it too. I liked it. It was so dumb. Yeah. It was so dumb. That's all I'm going to say. It's dumb. If you, you want to like just it, turn on. Yeah. 80s the wall, high drinks, bozo, 80s comedy, like yeah. rated R too. It's a rated R comedy. Jennifer Jason Lee, <laughs> oh, who had just came on the year before with uh, Fast Times, plays the daughter. Yeah, and that guy, that guy, you know what I'm talking about, Travis? That guy's the guy who was the husband. That face, that guy. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, if, if, if I, I'll pull up. A, no, not Ray Wise. I know Ray Wise. I'll pull up a picture of it and show it to you. But he's that guy. He's been. He's the same guy who uh, plays the mailman in Better Off Dead. Who comes up to the door to ask Lane if he can go out with Beth. That guy. Oh, oh. that guy, that guy's face. No, that's um, um, Nelson. Um, uh, <gasps> uh, I know his name. Um, Bl Nelson, Blanco Nelson. What's his name? Nelson. Something like that. Something like that. Blanco Nelson. Mm. But that guy. Negroni. Everybody. No. What's his name? Everybody knows this guy's face. Yes, I swear. He was in. Uh, he was in Gunshy. He's been oh. in tons of stuff. Oh, uh, Taylor Negron. Taylor Negron. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Taylor Negron. Okay. You, if or, Google or, his or, face or, if you're listening to this. You'll know him for sure. Yeah. Like, yes, you've seen Taylor Negron's face in a million '80s and like '90s movies because he was yep. just one of those guys. <laughs> he was. Uh, I, I don't. I never do this. <laughs> I never do this. But yep, I actually crazy. signed up for Apple TV. I paid for a month. I did, or at least I signed up for a month okay. for real. Good. You Unheard can, you of can for catch me. up on uh, on the morning show. I well, here you go. I watched season three of the morning show, knocked All it right. out. Finally, did season three of Ted Lasso with Leanne, which I promised. Oh, I waited two I, years to do that with her. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it was a long, a year and a half. It was a long time. How'd you and, feel? Uh, Ted Lasso was a great finish. It's such a good show. It's classic. Yeah. It'll be an all timer. Uh, morning it. show season three is like takes a uh, while to get started, but once it gets going, I think I like it. It's the least good season, though. Apparently, they're making more seasons, too, yeah. which yeah. blew my mind the way it ended. I, I went back and watched season one and two again of The Morning Show to remind myself of what I liked about it. And season three, uh, yeah, it's 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 what it reminds me. The whole show reminds me of the newsroom, you know, where they bring in like real life stuff that's happened just prior to what our current time in history is. Yeah. And except except according to the morning show producers, they deny that Steve Carell was based on Matt Lauer, which is insane what? because I know I dude, I read this oh, and I'm like, Oh, I just don't want to get you guys. Sued. 
You even had the fucking switch of the door to close thing. Come on. Yeah. It was so Matt Lauer. But they just don't want to get sued. That's clearly Matt Lauer. They don't want to get sued. You're right. So who cares? And uh it's a good show. I definitely would recommend season three. You're right. It, it was solid. John Ham's cool. And then um I also watch Shrinking, which is a great fucking show. Love it. Mm. Love, love it. it. Oh, I love it too. Feel I love good. it so much. Makes you see feel Harrison good. Ford in a TV show yes. is awesome. It's and like he's, he's still peak, got it. Peak Ford. Gotta get on this. Yes. Like, he is. Yes. This is the not best Ford that we've got in like recent years. He's no, not Fording not Ford. it in. No. We've no. Had, we've had this, we had this conversation about this before when I when I watched it earlier uh, last year. I, I'm telling you, like if you if you like Harrison Ford at all, this is like some of the best stuff he's done oh, in years. Jesus. It is. It's. Uh, I and I found out that Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy Oi on Ted Lasso, is the producer. Yeah. So it's him That's and Bill I'm... Lawrence, who are the producers of Ted Lasso. So you get some of that, but it's right. different. It's not Ted Lasso. It's just. Jason Segel, by the way, he's really good in the show. Oh, and he deserves credit for that, too. So, Dude, uh, yes. yeah, It's a great show. Really good show. And really I, I just kind of stumbled into it. I know you had watched it and recommended it. I just hadn't got around to watching it, but I would recommend it as well. Check out Shrinking. Good stuff. And uh, that's it. I did turn on that fucking spirited movie, but we turned it off after 10 minutes. So About Reds. Oh, did Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, I, I didn't care for it. I was like, I turned it off <laughs> after 10 minutes. Like, even Leanne said, who's like the most optimist person, most optimistic person I know. She's like, this sucks. <laughs> yeah well you said it we're turning this off sorry will ferrell singing it's a musical i was like oh boy i, yeah. I don't know if i'm ready for this so. mike you, there you, you go you I'll watched like reds what's your report you brought it to the table said you watched it he didn't watch it that I, motherfucker no i did okay. i did watch reds i love i think reds is a great film i think it's a i don't i don't know why you guys were so besides it being long is well, that it's not really, just being long really really boring. dull yeah Dull? It's dull. It's dull. But it, <laughs> Long I think and dull. Warren, I think Warren Beatty can hang his hat on it for his legacy. It's like that's a he made that movie. It's an honest movie about trying to make communism and socialism a reality versus like having it as like a, an ideology if you get to live in America. Like, oh, I'm I believe in it, you know. But versus actually going out and doing the damn thing. It's based on a real guy. And from what I've read, it's. That's the other thing I thought you'd like about it, Travis. It's fairly historically accurate from what I could gather. Not too much crazy shit that was off the walls with I, which, uh, with Mr. Reed, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I love that era uh, in, in American history, and I really, you know, it's cool seeing some of these people pop up in the film, you know, and, and some of the stuff that they're talking about, and the stuff that you never see on film. And that's partly what enraged me even further about mm. it, because like it's like, oh, you're covering this stuff that is so awesome and interesting and so rarely on film, and you're making it so fucking yeah, boring. Exactly. Uh. It's so boring because it's three and a half hours. And as Eric said in our text thread, a lot of it is Diane Keaton just kind of surly and like staring off. And it's just like and and it, I don't know. I really, really hated the movie. And I, I kind of hated you for making it. Yeah, I'm still pissed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you didn't like it either Eric. hated it i mean the, i was in the subject matter <laughs> like even the talking heads which were oh my god those talking heads were, were was too much but to, 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 like travis said like you can i guess you can make any subject like interminably boring just on your script and that's warren Beatty's fault because he had a huge hand in penning that screenplay Oh man, it's true. Such a fucking chore. Those were the real people, though. It was cool to see yeah. like those real people that was recorded in the seventies yeah. before someone died. Clear. Who knew? Yeah, yeah. And it, tell yeah. me, tell me that that did not completely influence uh, when Harry met Sally, because you know that it did. Yeah, of course. <laughs> 
Even Ted Lasso parodied it. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah. I maybe uh maybe I'm a little too into Reds and it's not a good movie. It well, I need to I may I I think my only main issue is not being able to separate the content of what I dig about it versus the reality of watching it. And I've watched it by myself with no one around and nothing to do, so I didn't feel like I was going to be doing anything else that day. If I had other things to do that day and I tried to squeeze that movie in, I'd be pissed. Oh, I would. Jesus. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> Not your fault. It is All epic. Right. Uh, I'll give it that. Yeah. It is epic. It certainly is. Some really cool scenes out there in the snow. I mean, I mean, they filled some cool shots, but you're right. It's boring. I still like it. All right. So, there's Reds. If uh, you ever wondered what we thought of it. If you happen to watch it, too, and you were pissed that we never even discussed it, I do apologize. There you go. Five minutes on Reds. All right. CinemaNiPod at gmail.com, five-star review, blah, blah, blah. Let's get to the main event, which is Travis's selection. This is a movie from the 90s, and it's called Benny and June. Benny and true? June, yeah. Um, I'm oh, very also, much... while I was off, Travis, I just wanted to say, I thought it was funny that you couldn't remember the order of how we did <laughs> with the IMDb rating. I laughed. I chuckled. I, I got to laugh at your expense. It's so. in keeping with my character. I, I pay no attention <laughs> to my own life. I don't know what's happening most of the time. <laughs> well, okay, so when was the first time you watched this movie? I don't know. That's what I'm telling you. I don't keep track. No, I, I, uh, I, I honestly can't really remember. It was definitely the kind of movie that, I mean, I saw it when it came out, when it was new. I don't remember if I saw it in theaters or not, but I know I saw it. I know I had a, a VHS copy of it, and I know I watched it a whole fucking bunch from like 93 to 97 mm. or so, and then probably didn't watch it again since. I, I, re- I mean, it's one of those movies, like watching it recently, I'm like, shit, I can almost like speak along with certain parts. Oh. Because it was that familiar to me, but at the same time, I hadn't seen it in uh, twenty-five years or something. So, hmm. what about you, Mister <sighs> Brisson? Yeah, I rented this when it came out and didn't make a huge impression on me. Uh, it's one of my wife's favorite movies, so from time to time, this is just really on in, like, like on in my house. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so you have feelings about it going in. <laughs> I had feelings going in. All right. Fair enough. Oh. Noted. Uh, wow. Okay. Well, this is uh, directed by Jeremiah Chechik. Yeah. Do I know anything about this guy? Christmas vacation. I don't know. Did, did, what about when you first saw it? Was this the first time you saw it? Yeah. It's starring Johnny Depp and Mary Stewart Masterson. The beautiful Aiden Quinn. Those eyes. eyes. This is what I'm asking you. Is this the first time you watched the movie? So the movie with those people in it called Benny and June. Yes. I yeah. had never seen. And I okay. remember hearing about this movie a lot. And in fact, for some reason in my brain, it's really messed up and locked in with Harold and Maude. Mm. I mix them up all the oh. time. I don't know. <laughs> I don't just because it's a name and a name title. I That's it. Milo uh, Notice. Yeah. I, no, Dominic you're right. You? Milo Notice didn't stick as much Captain as Harold and Maude. <laughs> well, these are bands or songs <laughs> in movies as well. But um, Peaches, I think, and, uh, Peaches and Cream. I never saw this movie. I'd heard a lot about it, but never saw it. But nobody told me anything about it other than this image of fucking Johnny Depp in that goddamn hat. <laughs> that's all I fucking know about this movie. That's the one thing that's burned in my brain for some reason. Oh, and I go into it with a attitude of displeasure when I think of that. <laughs> I do. I don't know why. Yeah, why is this? You're but, a Johnny Depp fan. You don't have anything against hats. I love Johnny Depp. Yeah. So yeah, hats are cool. It's so um, early '90s, um, which is funny because like what he's is. doing is he's hearkening back very clearly 
um, it's, like, it's just telegraphed from the first moment we see him on film. Hey, what's he reading? To, to Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin. But yeah, the hat and his whole, and like everything, the fashion, it's all screams, hey, this was filmed in 92. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, Coming out of the it, 80s with the colors, but still not knowing where we're going yet in the yeah, 90s. Yeah. 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 Looking to the spin doctors as a guidance for your fashion choices. I got, I got more to say about the soundtrack, too. I'll come back to that. Um, but what's the rating on this thing? So, I don't know. Is this a? It seems like it is a beloved movie because I've heard the title a lot, but I don't. I don't know. It's one of those movies that it was very pointed at a specific generation and a specific age group. I think you know, like the Gen Xer, the fourteen to thirty year olds in nineteen ninety three. You know, Um, (laughs) and so I think that those people probably grew up with a positive feeling about it. That said, it's not one you hear about very much, which is partly why I wanted to revisit it. I'm going to say 6.6. Uh, yeah, you are right. This came out in a time when, like, kids didn't understand mental illness. They just thought it was eccentricity, and apparently mm-hmm. so was a screenwriter. <laughs> I'm going to give a 5.6. <laughs> I would say this is like a solid 6.2. It's not amazing, but, it, you know, some people throw it on. And... Wow, it's a 7.1. That's a surprise. <sighs> That is a surprise. Beloved film. I'm telling you. Yep. That's beloved. You're right. Just like your wife, Eric. I mean, she's hardcore. She loves it. Yeah. Throws it on still. Yeah. Uh, 85% from the audience on Rotten Bozos. 76 <laughs> from the critics. Uh, tiny gap. Not a major gap. As far as critical review from the old critics with Betty and June came out in 1993. Mm. Right? Three? Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a uh, uh, Peter Rayner, LA Times. This sentimental stew is not, I can't believe, have we ever heard that phrase on the show? Because I can't believe it hasn't been done before. This sentimental, sentimental stew. stew. Yeah, it feels like it would have been done before. Sentimental stew is not without its flavors. Ugh. And the cast tries hard to be winsome and adorably distraught. What a combo. Stew analogy? Dinny Moore <laughs> from the Los Angeles Times. <laughs> but then he like kind of sidetracks into like something else. He starts off with this metaphor, then just goes. Yeah, drop this I'd thing. also like to use the. I'd also like to use the word winsome here. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to make it a a comparative. Yeah, he's no, off. Carrots, I don't know where he's going with that. Potatoes, no meat. Yeah, no beef. Uh, <laughs> David Anson, a Newsweek said, "This fierce, smart jape gets you shaking with laughter, and leaves you simply shaking." <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, the best of the best here. Uh, Peter Travers of Rolling Stone, of course. The cast, the cast is defeated. Oh, here it is. The cast is defeating by a cloying, our second cloying oh, yeah. reference of hey. the show. Yep. A cloying Barry Berman script that Jeremiah Chechik directs with the same flair for the obvious mm. he brought to oh he National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation he did that huh? he wrote oh. that Lisa wrote it no John Hughes uh, it? or the other because it was a Columbus move directed right no uh, okay. anyways he wrote it no, no, uh, and then of course Roger Ebert our uh, <laughs> who Luke thinks is a total piece of shit apparently but I I think Roger Ebert I agreed with you guys and I was proud of the show Eric <laughs> you, you really impressed me Eric you really stood up for e- I mean Travis was going to but Eric I was proud of you mm. I really was, it, was so. well, it is like 
he was like starting to talk about Ebes, our beloved Ebes, and me and Eric are both just like, mm-hmm, yep. Then we realize, oh, you have said you hate him. You listen to this manifesto <laughs> for thirty five minutes, but you're gonna trash Ebes. I'm speaking up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Roger Ebert it was a mainstream critic, but he was an independent guy when it came to thought. I thought so. Yeah, good well, job. I, the three of us are fans. Okay. Okay. Luke's entitled but to his opinion. He is entitled to his opinion. Uh, so Roger Ebert said, the movie suggests that love and magic can overcome madness. Oh, And for at least the length of the film, I was prepared to accept that. <laughs> Much of the credit for that goes to Depp. Yeah, he does a lot with some... That that moment at the end of the, of the movie, he's like, well, I used to look up to you. Now I can't even look at you, which is such a shit line. Such a shit line. And he for a guy who never it. says anything. Yeah. Yeah, especially. But and and, and, you, and you can tell the screener is probably like, there it is, blistering <laughs> fucking hot. And uh, but Depp sells it. You know, Depp takes that that turd of a line mm. and turns it into turd casserole, <laughs> turd stew. Ooh, <laughs> turd hey, stew. yeah, we found a winsome and distraught <laughs> turd stew. I got one more for you, and we're winsome, very lucky. Winsome stew, <laughs> winsome shit stew. Uh, Dustin Thompson no way. checked in on this. No one. way. Yep, we Finally. got Dustin. Yeah, so how cool is that? It's been this is nineties. Good job, Dustin. So uh, once upon a time, Dustin Thompson said the following: riddled with insufferably contrived zaniness. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it deals as deeply with mental illness as the sound of music <laughs> explored the genocidal <laughs> advance of the Third Reich. Yes. Boom! Yes. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> that might be the best Dessin oh, Thompson. So good. Of a- and, yeah. I would nominate it as well for a number one all-time Dessin review. Oh, so not good. as most, not as brief. A pretty long-winded for Dessin, but so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was more than two words. Uh, yeah. to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Eric, he, he's building on what you said, Eric, how mental illness seen his eccentricity. Oh, it's like... Yeah, this movie's all over the place. That well, that's I mean to get into it a little bit here, real quick. That is to me one of the things that really sticks out about this movie is that you clearly have filmmakers that are trying to express something about mental illness, but and, and at the same time they're trying to make it cute enough and engaging enough and marketable enough, mm. right? And 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 also it's ninety three, right? It, this is like that's still pretty archaic in terms of our understanding and sympathies towards people with mental health issues. So there's times where it feels like it's actually being pretty progressive for its time. And then there's, then there's moments where it's like, they really just can't like, like the fucking ping pong paddle uh, in the, uh, in the police, you know, Mm. directing traffic scene. It's just like, Oh, Oh. okay. So this is your idea of a crazy person. And one of the things I noted myself, like we don't even know if she's on medication of any sort, like it's never, expressed at all if she's on any sort of medication at all that i noticed Did well in the eventually they do because it does come he, up ben benny says it's time for your meds all we know is meds oh it does that, okay i missed it because yeah, i was just like yeah. Jesus. but that's it that's all we get that's so. something but and that's kind of like what i'm saying like it, they they couldn't really focus on that at the time i don't think it would like have been accepted as much if it had been more true to life which I think it's you know, a, far, a fault of the film, but also a fault of the time period. <laughs> when your screenwriter is a former clown, as is the case with <laughs> Barry Berman, who only wrote this and like two other pieces of shit I've never heard, um, huh. got a problem because yeah, uh, I'm not, I don't know how much research this guy did, but this is a classic like, you know, this is an overused term, but manic pixie dream girl. 
it's just substituted in for this June character. Like they, the illness is is very. It, it, it only it only is like brought up when they need to have some drama in their plot. It's it's whimsy. I timed it. It's like whimsy for like an hour and fifteen minutes, and then they're like, "Oh shit, something's got to happen. Let's just have a freak out here." <laughs> what kind of freak out? What even is their illness? I don't know. It's just we got to have a freak out. Yes. I'm buying it, dude. Well, what I, is her illness? Like, we? yeah, she's got these problems, but she goes on a bus, and now she starts. She was never. Is it is the movie telling us that because? Benny is constantly saying, you need to stay here. We were we introduced to June with the housekeeper not being able to keep her on the property, right? Bam. So is the movie telling us that this property maintains her episodes? And if she leaves the property, then we see these episodes? I mean, that is out of this world. Yeah, I, that's, again, like where I think they needed to focus more on the meds because, like, if she stopped taking her meds, right. that would explain what happened on the bus. And that's kind of how I interpreted it, is that since they left and ran off on their own, that they were, that she wasn't, like, taking the meds that she was supposed to take, and plus this extra stress and stuff. Yeah. But you had to, like, you had to, like, infer all this shit that you, you have to, like, know these things to infer them. And, yeah. No. yeah. I got uh, another trope. Go ahead. The, oh, the magic of the penis. Johnny Depp <laughs> makes love to her, and suddenly she's transformed. I mean, sex is cool, sure, but I think there's there's that trope kind of hidden in there too. Like his well, penis changed her life. Have you had like, sex with Johnny Depp? I never have. Yeah, um, you don't know from what I hear. I mean, I've heard things, <laughs> some good, some questionable, but, you know, source material, I don't know. But look, it, yes, so it is the 90s, so we're looking at it through that scope, early 90s. She's got problems. Uh, but Benny is this, I gotta say, Aiden Quinn, man, he really gave me a different Aiden Quinn in this movie <laughs> than I'd seen in other films. I, I mean that. I, I usually see him as like oh, a, come on. like, I know he's in Legends of the Fall, but he's like the, he's not the weakling because Samuel is the weakling of the, of the brothers in that one, but he's more of like the prim and proper, not the tough guy that Tristan is in Legends of the Fall. But in this movie, he's like a tough guy mechanic hanging out with Oliver Platt. And some reason, Bill Macy shows up in two scenes, like the very opening scene. And then he comes back to be this guy who could be the vessel to get a career going for Sam. <laughs> uh, anyways, I, I thought Aiden Quinn uh, impressed me in this movie. I never disliked him. I've liked him in movies, but I thought I saw a different side of him. And I'd like to give him credit for that in this film. Right. Not cool. me. I thought he was horrible in it. Catatonic look on his bright blue eyed face for the entire film. Deliver his lines slovenly, sleepwalks through every scene. Wait, 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 Eric. There's two different things going on here, okay? okay. So Aiden Quinn's acting is excellent. Now, the character motivations and the writing are fucking stupid. Like the reason he holds back and with Julianne Moore or uh gets really raged out with how June is and how we can't let go of this life or whatever it is, it's not fleshed out enough. And it makes him look stupid when we have these wandering scenes of the music playing in the background in the train yards oh. and shit. It's, that's not his oh, fault. Yeah, that's, that's not his fault. Funny. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, yeah, I made a note to myself. Uh, what is it? Left an age-appropriate man with my sister, and they now I'm angry they fucked <laughs> the movie. <laughs> Yes, yep. that's great. Yep, you nailed it. These two are clearly oh, we perfect for one another. Uh, soulmates <laughs> from the onset to anybody's disbelieving eyes. I encouraged them to go back home alone while I hung out at the park, and now I I'm pissed. I literally thought I'm gonna go to myself. Like I think he's like leaving them yeah, space absolutely. for some intimacy here. Yes, what, and then he comes back. He's back his fist. Get out! Yeah, I mean, what the fuck? And also, we got a whole first half, first 30 minutes of the film based around 
Benny and his buddies and playing poker oh, all the time. God. They're just gone. They just disappeared from the film. Like that never, ha like, okay, that part of the movie's over now. We're never playing they, poker they again. Their, they serve their purpose. It's such terrible writing. It's so bad. The organization of the strip and the structure of the film. It's so obvious to me that there's a push and pull going on behind the scenes of this movie. It's so obvious. There's too much... Uh, like a good idea gone bad with studio execs getting in the way with a uh, rookie kind of newcomer yeah. movie creators. That's what I see here. <laughs> yeah, it smacks of that. <sighs> I mean, uh, did you catch the Lemonheads reference? Oh, no, I didn't. So that's who this movie is really for. There is this moment when they're in the diner and they're talking about raisins and like how sad they are. They're talking about the California raisins and how they're cannibals yeah. and stuff. And Sam, Johnny Depp's character, says, it's a shame about raisins. That's wow. very directed to a very specific audience. <laughs> I, I heard yes. the words, but I didn't catch on to it being, yeah. I guess maybe no. if it was 1993, I would have been like, oh, yeah, Jim Bell Ray. <laughs> right, that's it. It came out in 93. And so that's kind of what's going on here. This is, um, I think it's, I'm, what year was Reality Bites? That was also 93, yeah, so. right? 94 is the next year. 94. Next year. Okay, so yep. I mean, it, it kind of feels like it's coming out of that machinery, that Hollywood machinery of There's like, change yeah, like, being made yeah like okay we recognize that the people they like pearl jam and and temple of the dog right um <laughs> pushing forward back makes an appearance which i do not buy sam listening to that album oh at all God. at all no uh, oh, he's obsessed with but, 20s culture and shit like uh, right, old-timey well, culture he's yeah. not into today he doesn't belong to, here right, he's listening to glenn miller or something he's not listening to fucking <laughs> temple of the dog <laughs> Yes, Glenn Miller. You also had to put him on the soundtrack. That was all that's happened there. But speaking yeah. of the soundtrack, oh, this is the movie that in America, in America at least, made the uh, the proclaimer. It did. Oh, 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 yeah, they were already they were already oh. big in their native Scotland. They they yeah. had multiple albums and stuff. But um, so you know, Mary, what's her name again? Mary Mary, Mary Stewart Masterson. Mary Stewart Masterson. I always. Forget her name, Mary Stewart. Masters, I'd be fused you know, with Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio or Mary I Louise. Say Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Anyways, uh, <laughs> oh my God, it's four of them. <laughs> yep. There's so wow. many. So um, you know, she's a well-traveled person, probably. So she had come across their albums, and that and this album that had 500 miles on it, "Sunshine on Leith," was already like uh, it was a, it was already out for a little yeah, while. I think I want to say was it yeah, that 88. late? Eighty eight. Yeah, so it had been out oh. for a while, and they 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 have like a they had released other albums since and stuff. But um, she was playing this often when they would do the painting scenes. That was what she would have playing for herself, just because and because it was like okay, you can put on whatever you want. And so that's why they ended up using it for the opening sequence because the director heard it and really liked the song, and that song became a really really big single for a little while in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, wow. Well, yeah, that's the first thing I wrote. But we don't just get. The song. We get the full song, too. It plays yeah. the whole song to start the movie. Yeah. So I wrote that down. Like, full song? Question mark? <laughs> uh, also, uh, Buster Keaton's back. Like, I, I didn't really... I got to tell you, I have to get into this because... Well, maybe, it's not cool, but... Uh, like, I didn't give a fuck about Buster Keaton shit and this guy trying to be that guy in 1993 it just like i didn't i didn't find any of his antics and his amazing stunts which johnny depp did he really did a lot of this stuff you know the yeah. fucking plate thing which you put in the text today and i didn't give a shit about that i didn't find it whimsical i was just like annoyed by this i'm like get a job go do something <laughs> with your life it's fucking 1993 right now grunge is Roll all the rage up. the radio's actually playing good shit right now you know what are you doing i 
I just not a fan, I guess, of that kind of humor. Like I love Charlie. I have a lot of respect for Charlie Chaplin and some of the messages that he put out in his films were timely okay. and but well do done. You like, but do you like those movies? Do you like that early? Do you like the, the, the actual stuff? Okay. So then you're not, yeah, you're not going to like that. You're right. It's an, nope. it's an homage to that stuff. And it and is. He, and he, I agree. I think he does a pretty decent job doing that stuff for a modern performer and doing it all himself. But at the he same does. time, it is it is a little tiresome. I, I won't okay. argue that. I respect that he's able to pull that shit off, but I don't give yeah. a fuck about it. Those are happening simultaneously. Although, I, guess. I will say that a lot of it has to do with the Rachel Portman 90 gump horns going on while he, every time he starts doing his antics. Yeah, it's just a classic fucking 90s goof nor oh. music. And it's like, there oh, it is. Shit, there 90s it is. bozo clarinet. I couldn't yeah. stop saying it out loud. I was sitting by myself yep. in my mother's bed at three in the morning. I'm a 43-year-old man. 90s bozo clarinet, stop. <laughs> it may but be I, the most quintessential, like, perfect example of that bullshit yep. kind of genre of music that permeated those movies of that era. It is. It so is. Okay. Uh yeah, oh here, here's the problem for me. Like, I, I love, like, City Lights is one of my all, like, top 10 favorite movies. I love all of those silent films. And, like, I remember as a kid when I watched this, I was like, that's the only part I kind of attached myself to until I did the deep dive on all of those actual movies. So when I'm watching this last night and he's just doing the same act, not something similar yeah. and clever, just the same thing, I'm like, well... It's just, uh, it seems like the writer stretching for something for this character to do. And it just didn't play for me. I, I appreciate that because it is literally the same stuff. I'm pretty sure a lot of it is, mm -hmm. if not all of yep. it. But also, remember when he sees Julianne Moore, which very early Julianne Moore performance helped put her on the map. Yeah. But remember yeah. when he sees her, he, he, he recites her whole dialogue. And when he watches the movie later with them, he compulsively recites the dialogue with it. I think the dude's on the spectrum. And I think that he mimics things that he likes. Yeah, I think he might be, well, I mean, you can think what you want, but I, I would feel like that's, we're looking at it through today's eyes and yeah, that was yeah. definitely not their intention at all, but I, you're, okay, that's fair. Well, yeah. if he was modeled after a real person, perhaps, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, that wouldn't have been there. I mean, it, was, it would have been cooler to choreograph new pranks well, and the thing. stunts. Like and everyone loved this character sure. and they love this movie not really knowing that that stuff had been done before, in, in in my opinion, to a certain extent. At our age, sure, but people older than oh, us yeah, certainly yeah, would yeah. have. And they and they tried to let us know what was going on because they literally have, the, like I said earlier, that when he's first introduced, he's got Buster Keaton's face in front of his own face. And it says Buster Keaton across <laughs> yeah, he sleep, it. So he it, sleeps in trees like, all the yeah. time. Can you sleep right. in trees for real? Like, I've never done it. I've, I've never, never slept it. in a tree. I'd... I'd fall off. I would be terrified. I wouldn't be able to sleep. But also, he, uh, I got to give the movie credit for this. He doesn't play into a typical trope of like, oh, the new roommate is going to be a pain in the ass. He's actually helpful. He actually, mm -hmm. they just go Cleans. right into it. I, I appreciated that a great deal about the movie that, oh, hey, he cleaned the house right away and he's like doing good things to help around the house and be a positive influence. Cool. Yeah. You know, there's this moment when he like takes apart his cousin Mike's car, and I think there's something wrong with your car. And he like kind of spins the hubcap up into the air and just kind of disappears, right? And yep. there's that moment when they're about to kiss him and Mary Stuart Masterson, and instead he takes he blows up the balloon and starts making music with it, which you know that's superimposed, but still, like in the film's conceit, he's able to do that. And there's something I really like about this character and the 
just like the tinge of magic that he has about him. You know what I mean? Like it's not overt, but there's something just a little tiny bit mystical about the character, and I think they do a good job. With yeah, it. I mean, the best part is when he's fucking around with that head hubcap, and like it literally flies away and doesn't land. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. That's cool. And yeah, there's something there's something kind of special about him. Well, you could always crank up the '90s goof clarinet when things get stale. Yeah. So. That's always that's that's a fallback for this film. It's nice. So. Did you guys get uh, worried about how close the house was to the river? Because I found myself repeatedly worrying about how fucking close the house was to the river. I'm yeah. like, this house, it's certainly flooded by now. It's gone. That house is long gone by now. It's like on the river. Well, not, not every river expands. Oceans can expand. Okay, yeah. I didn't think of that at all. Rivers flood. Uh, it's it's. I like live in a river right, right now. There. Maybe I didn't think about it. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, but you have a whole yard. Like that's they true. Have like they yeah. have like. Uh, Nothing. It's just like uh, a li- it's a little bit of elevation, but I'm just, it makes me concerned. Well, Spokane, Washington. Of, what's of a, Spokane, what's Washington. The flood, what's the flood permanence here or whatever? Like, how often are we seeing these rivers rise? Oh, my God. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking about, I think this ties. My earliest remembrance of Julianne Moore was in The Fugitive, which mm-hmm. it came out the same oh, yeah. year as this film. Yeah. So me too. this ties that earliest remembrance for me because I thought when she showed up as the waitress as a first time viewer, I'm like, oh, what the fuck a julianne moore cameo as a waitress and like i didn't even know what he was that's the other thing is like when they do that scene there where sam is basically turns out julianne moore was an actress the character she's playing right and then they watch her movie later on i didn't know what the fuck he was talking about he was reenacting her scene which was a movie (laughs) within the movie so i'm like what the fuck is going on as a first time viewer totally clueless which they show me later, so I'm like, oh, I get it now. So maybe that's cool, but I don't know. I didn't really appreciate that all that much. But it was good to see Julianne Moore. Yeah, dude, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I, I did make a note of the, the this problem I'll often have in a movie, and I mean, I, I have good things to say about this film, but I just keep coming back to this script because anytime like you've got like a 140 minute movie, and like even after an hour, like everything's still just kind of hunky-dory and there's really no conflict. Like, I'm reminded when, when uh, Sam's in the park and he's doing his fun thing and Benny's getting all excited, like, hey, maybe we can get something going here. This is, like, really far into the movie where there should be, like, a really big conflict that, that everyone is on their tiptoes for and everyone's still just fucking lollygagging. There's no real drama here. It's just these misfits. And Benny doesn't even seem well, that affected by it. Like, if, if Benny is worried immediately about Sam... And how his relationship with potential relationship with uh, June could affect this codependency? You got some conflict and tension. It's just a lot of fucking goofing around. Okay, a couple of things we haven't mentioned. First off, you didn't mention the whole group home conflict, which was constantly yeah. that brewed pretty quickly. And we didn't mention CCH Pounder playing yeah. the C-C-H all-knowing this psychologist. Psych- or yeah. we didn't mention Dan Hedaya either. That I was mean, that was literally what I was gonna say next. Dan Hedaya, <laughs> uh, one soap on the rope slightly used uh, yeah that fucking poker game god damn, that was too yeah. 90s quirky oh, that was god. too much we're not using money everything is a new bed of some I type of bargaining that. thing yeah. I like the idea but a snorkel mask is not worth the same as two baseball exactly. tickets it's not how could they know what's fair value when they're <laughs> talking about a human being and a goddamn snorkel mask I, I just <laughs> And the fact that they stick to it, you can't bet a human being. Yes, you can, apparently. 
So. At first, I thought they were just betting albums. I'm like, that's kind of cool. That kind of makes sense. So then, like, they just yeah. kind of went from there. I'm like, oh, wait. Okay, never mind. It took mind. me like 10 minutes <laughs> yeah. to understand what in the fuck they were even talking about. And I'm like, how really? do you come up with <laughs> items that you own that quick? I'm like, like, a picture frame. I don't know, like a plate. Like, I don't know. They didn't seem natural. <laughs> I don't know. If I played I mean, that way, people would be getting going them. back. I see your point, Mike, but like, there's still like a choice there, and like CCH Pounder herself is like, "Well, let me know." I'm like, if she's in danger of being committed, that's a much bigger <laughs> issue, and, and could add more. Why conflict. was there a deadline though? Why does she? There's a deadline on this group home. What do you mean there's a deadline? Oh, because it's, it's a movie. It needs a ticking clock. Uh, oh, okay. Right. I'm sorry, go. I forgot. So, that's that's why. Um, well, it's, it's all films are contrivance. All art is contrivance. It's just how formulaic, well typical. It. How well do you mask it? That's the question. Um, I do like, you know, the movie's called Benny and June, not oh. June and Sam, right? Yes! Um, I, I, like, I like that it's the, the focus is really on the, maybe even it should be even more so on the relationship between the brother and the sister and the kind of toxic nature that they have. I love, there's this moment in the movie that I think is really telling when she is like playing with a napkin by the fan and she waits for him to walk in the room and then she lets go so that it will hit the, uh, hit the, lit candle and start a fire and that i think represents like their whole relationship where he feels like he needs to be around her all the time but like as eric said it's codependency really like he doesn't need to be around her as much as you know she doesn't need it as much as he thinks he needs it some and she also kind of plays into that because like that's it's been 12 years it's just the two of them and then and it's just they've gotten like just completely up each other's ass (laughs) and you just nailed that part which i almost forgot to mention I couldn't believe the movie's called Benny and June and fucking Johnny Depp wasn't Benny. It blew my right? mind. Yeah, I, was I was like, what? <laughs> Holy shit. I, I, I was stuck on that for like a half hour. <laughs> I was. How about that flashback? <sighs> Unnecessary? <laughs> Unnecessary weird flashback. Time, so weird timing so of the flashback. And like, I mean, I guess maybe they were trying to get some hint of trauma com- with vehicles. And maybe that's why she freaks out on the bus. But other than that, I'm yeah, like, can't, that, you can't just uh, say this at some point. You know, that's a good point because she also does a whole thing with the helmet and she braces her feet up on the dashboard, which is a really unsafe way to travel. Um, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, I think you're right. That probably does have something to do with it. That just didn't really get dialogue. Mm. It should have been in dialogue. Um, it should have had CCH, given CCH Powder more to do, have her have a session, show us a session uh, with 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 her in June, where June talks about yeah. the accident and talks about being afraid of that, or kind of maybe stuff early in the film, effective. have have them get into a small car car accident, so we see like how desperate and serious this situation could be instead of this fucking lollygagging. <laughs> you, keep t- you keep sounding like my grandpa. Quit saying lollygagging. More adjectives. You're gonna like... call him whippersnapper. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll hit this. I'll hit the no! thesaurus. Because... Keep the lollygagging. All right, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a fun word. I'm just we use that in sports all the time. I, stop lollygagging. Get well, moving. I got to say, this is PG. So, you know, yes. uh, and I'm thinking, well, maybe I should uh, ease up on this because it's like, it's essentially kind of a family film, even though there's some weird adult stuff going on. And like a family could watch this. But I don't know. I maybe it could have benefited family. from a little bit more edge, I guess is what I'm what I'm trying to say. Mm. Yeah. Especially if they're trying to speak to that audience, too. You're right. But. In the end, I don't know if that matters. Should we wrap it up? Uh, unless we miss something big. I think we've kind of hit on the big points of this film. Travis. I think we did. I'll be honest. I uh, Usually when I watch a movie, I kind of know afterwards how I feel about it. You know, like this, this held up or this didn't hold up pretty much immediately. But this one I kind of struggled with. Um, 
It's not as good as I remembered it. I'm going to give it a, 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 a bare, it barely holds up. Uh, it, I, I, it, it was comforting to watch in a way. Um, I don't, if I didn't have the nostalgia factor going on, I probably wouldn't give it that pass. Um, it, it, it's, it does have some pretty deep flaws, but I think that if you love it, I understand loving it. I don't know that I love it, but I do have, I do have the, uh, I do have some affection for it. So I'm going to give it a, it just barely crosses the border into holding up. <laughs> Who's going next? Go ahead, Near you. Yeah. You clearly want to rip this movie apart, Eric. I've, do I'm it. Not, I don't, wa- I don't want to. I just, I've never cared for this movie. It's just like, it's just very mediocre to me. And there's a lot of potential here. Even with these misfit characters, there's more potential to do something a little bit more interesting. Characters are just boring for me. Like, if this movie is just about Benny and June and there's no Sam, like, it's, it, I'm bored. Because, like, Benny is fucking boring. Like, maybe it's because of Aiden Quinn, in my opinion, he's just very wooden. Like, Woody Harrelson dropped out and got sued for millions of dollars because he signed on and he was going to be Benny until, like, a week before shooting. And I would have loved Woody huh. Harrelson because he's so charismatic and you feel him and he's very blue-collar. And But uh, Aiden Quinn, Indecent man, proposal? Just, Same year. Did he switch it? Dude, Is I that what even, he did? I, he dropped I out the, I, I, Did I talk about huh. Indecent? Yeah, I did talk about it. Uh, yeah. yeah. But for me, he's boring. I think Mary Stuart Masterson is not good in the film. Like, I'm not buying it. Yeah. I'm not buying the freak out. She's just she's just dull to me. So my two main characters, I don't care. And Johnny Depp does his thing, but I've seen that shtick before, and it comes off as kind of like a gimmick. And the script is just limp. I'm sorry, it doesn't hold up for me. Straight to the point. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, Indecent Proposal came out the same year, so uh, maybe he was like, I'm going to go film that movie instead because Demi Moore's going to grab my penis, <laughs> which I would totally, I would spend millions of dollars or be sued for millions of dollars if I could have one night with Demi Moore, which is the premise of that film. So I'm not just saying that because I want that to happen. Uh, it's a real film. Uh, Mary Stewart Masters in sucks in this film, and I didn't mention that. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I, I don't, so apparently, who knows if this is bullshit, right? But I'm sure you guys made a Reddit too that Winona Ryder was going to be in the role, but she dropped out because they broke yep. up, Johnny Depp and her. Yep. Uh, and if uh, I had seen Depp and Ryder, I think that really would have made this movie better. Mm, I honestly think course. that. I really do. And Woody, and Woody Harrelson, that's a different movie, but could have been good. Right. You're right. Yes, yeah, could have, should have, would have. But I was not a, I wasn't like pissed about her, but I'm just like, something about a performance, which again, I disagree with you, Eric, about the Aiden Quinn performance. I really liked his performance, mm. but I thought it was the script that failed him. So maybe she was failed by the script, and I just don't have as much experience or interest in what she is as an actress. I don't know. I'll, I'll look into my biases, but there's also a, there's plenty of montages in this film, right? You know, we got, the, <laughs> oh, yeah. like I said, the train yard montage. Yeah, we we got some good. of your classic movies, like, have a little faith oh, in me. Hey, I yeah. love John Hyatt, so oh. I was happy with well, that. Well, I love John Hyatt, too, but that song's been done. I mean, it's been played I'm in movies. Nerd. I just, yeah. it's, and, but this was a little newer when he was yeah, doing this, it in 93. Five year, yeah, there's only five years after the song came out. That's not right. too bad. It's So that's not their fault. You're right. Then uh, we got a Blind Faith cover. but And Mike, uh, that Mont, like, Every, everything. I'm so sorry, but like I gotta say it. Like everything, everything is at its crescendo and its peak, and it's just taken care of by that stupid montage. All you gotta do is walk around in the train yard at dusk, and all the problems go away. You're no longer pissed at Sam. 
<laughs> yep, you just physically attacked him and assaulted him, scared the shit out of him, probably traumatized him, but it's nothing a good stroll around the train yard can't take care <laughs> yeah, of. Yeah, stop, stop and think, what was my responsibility in this? Why wasn't I home? Why did I bring this strange hobo <laughs> who has no medical training whatsoever into my house to <sighs> take care of my family? Sorry. We don't um, have time no, for that. Sorry. We don't sorry. have time for that. <laughs> so uh, I did write down after the... Uh, <laughs> Let's see. Ten minutes in, this movie sucks. I did write that down. <laughs> but I, I got a little bit more into it. But in the end, I, uh, yeah, this one's not for me. Too, too much of a mess, you can tell. And classic character motivations versus what's happening and what the story's supposed to be about. It's all fucked up, and it's it's all just kind of scatterbrained. And uh, there's good moments. You know, you can find a lot of good moments in a lot of shitty movies. I'm not saying it's a shitty movie, but yeah. this one doesn't hold up for me. Yeah, and that's, I mean, when I gave, when I myself, you know, I brought it to the floor and I'm giving it 51%, I kind of assumed that it was going to not do that great. So maybe not auspicious for the year of 2024 for our show, but it is auspicious for us to finally all be together, the three of us actually yeah. podcasting. And who is next on this adventure? Is it Eric? That's right. Hey, uh, I remembered. I remembered the did. order of my life. Good job. You still got it. Show. <laughs> Well, let's cut the bullshit. We're going to uh, 1992. Oh, pardon the fuck out of me. <laughs> no. What, a year backwards? <laughs> One year prior. Okay. Go back to 1992 to have a little bit of fun. You know, I loved... I looked back very fondly on our Demolition Man episode. And in fact, when I look back at the roster of our previous episodes, anytime we do an action movie, I end up really liking the episode. We don't do them all the time, but when we do, they're always a lot of fun. And I decided to take a look at a film that made a splash when it came out in 1992, but I, I'll be damned if I have even <laughs> ever heard anybody mention oh. it in like 30 years. Under Tommy C Lee Jones? No, no, not under oh, siege. Oh shit! Not I thought I had it. No, nope. we both thought under, we both thought nope. under siege. Oh, he did. <laughs> you look up that Eric Alaniac image on your own. We're not doing it under siege. <laughs> right? You did that on right your there own. Right there, Demi Moore, man. Wow. Good but guy. like I said, no one talks about the movie, and yet it was a hit. Um, director Roland Emmerich's first uh, big splash in the United States went on to Independence Day and Godzilla. Universal Soldier. Remember this movie? I've never seen it. Barely. I remember it was it We're was gonna no find out. <laughs> All right. I remember like a headset. Yeah, the headset. Like a, yeah. The headset. John Claude Van Damme, <laughs> Dolph Lundgren. Like that headset. Sci-fi. It could be fun. I was all about Van Damme, and this is like where it kind of slowly stopped because I was hitting puberty or something. I don't know. Maybe I should have been more into it. But okay, Universal Soldier. Cool. Good call, yeah. dude. I like this. Right. Interesting. This is a nice change of pace. Still in the same era, and that's what we'll do next week. Sim and I, 2024, we're back. We're all united. We're ready to go. And uh, I got a good feeling about this year. I think we'll have some good times. I had a great time doing this episode. I hope you all did too. Cinnamonipod at gmail.com and uh, all that stuff in between. If you got an email that you think could top Chad's, send it in. We'd love to hear it. That was, thank you, Chad. Thank you for the laughter. Eric Travis, Mike, I'm out of here. <laughs>